Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Well, 2018 has been one of the better years for business in Cork, and really, it has flown by. So it's time to listen back to some of our more memorable interviews from throughout the year. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is the best of Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Colette Toomey, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Jonathan. You are famous because you are the owner of Clonakilty Food Company. Now, let's go back to the very beginning here because you grew up in a family farm in Manan Bridge. So you were always very close to the animals when they were alive. Yes. How did it translate to selling them when they'd passed on? Oh, it wasn't any bother. It wasn't any bother, really. Um, I suppose... Um, when I was growing up and I I was following a totally different career and, and all that and then I met um, Eddie Toomey and he had just he was buying a butcher shop in Clonakilty and I suppose that was the introduction to well I suppose that bring, growing up on a farm you'd see animals everywhere and you know you'd see um, cows being born and calves being you know cows being milked and lambs being born everything like that so you, I suppose you have a, a very broad um, outlook on things and um, yeah I got married in 1977 and um, the butcher shop so then it was it was meat, meat, meat was the, was See, the and then, thing. Uh, we all go through life, those of us who aren't from farming stock, the food just magically appears on the shelf, mm. you see. We don't mm. think about the middle bit. But meat. obviously, when Eddie opened the butcher shop, uh, it was all hands. And it, it, a dirty business in many ways, butcher. It, it, it was. It, it is because it, there is no um, clean way of handling meat. And, well, you know, there is now because there's gloves and there's all the rest of it. But that time, the, the butcher shops were... Um, they, they they were fairly basic. They were fairly basic. There was sawdust on the floor, and there was the butcher's block, and you know you wiped the knife and different things. But they didn't seem to have the same bugs then that are alive. <laughs> well, I think probably we were uh, we were probably less immune to them Absolutely. than we are now. Yeah, we all had an inbuilt immune system. <laughs> Tell me when you decided will we give black pudding a go? Well, the thing is, the black pudding was being made in the butcher shop with a hundred years. It was. It was it predated. It predated back to the eighteen eighties, and um, it was in for sale in Harrington's butcher shop um, all those years. And when we bought the butcher, when Eddie bought the butcher shop, it was really a case of, it's a butcher shop. Oh yeah, and they make black pudding out the back, and that was it. They make black pudding out the back, and they sell it in the shop. But we kind of noticed from people there was a time when um, Eddie was going to the supermarkets were coming in. He was going to revamp the whole shop you know, knock it into the, the room at the back and make a little a little supermarket, a little mini market there. Uh, but people kept on coming into the butcher shop just for the black pudding. And even when they changed the name over the door from Harrington's to McSweeney's to, to Toomey's, um, they still, people came in and they're saying, can you still get the same black pudding here? So you realised that you had a product? Yes. And did you keep true to that product was it, was it oh, the original 100%, recipe 100% that was I suppose that is one of the things that has stood well to us all the years um, we have um, yeah we've the, the technology the mixing methods and that have got more modernised with, with, with volume as well but it's still basically four five ingredients mixed together like you'd mix your brown cake so when you were having a chat with Eddie one evening did you go? Well, will we will we expand on this? Do we? Are we? Should we exploit this wonderful product that people are familiar with? I mean, who was it? Was it yourself or himself? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was. 
you know, when people people used to go up the country visiting people, visiting relatives or going to England and they would take some pudding with us, with them. And, um, you know, we kind of, we had no idea of the sense of value of what it meant to other people. And then one time it was probably for a bank or for something that um, we were supposed to put a business plan together. Now, there was never a plan. The plan was... You keep know, going, to, keep the door open. Keep, keep the door open, <laughs> keep the door open, keep, you know, if there was onions to be peeled then you peel the onions or if there was whatever to be done, that was the plan. So it was day to day. But, you know, we had one, I was saying, so what is the plan? What will I write down? You know, and I, I remember really saying, well, you know, I suppose if everybody who loves our black pudding, if they could buy it in their local shop, now, that's from Kerry to Donegal to every that it, that wasn't a plan. There was a vision. And I, I think the plan just fell into place after that, just started very locally. And then, um, you know, people, people wanted it. And we just anybody who wanted it anywhere, even if it had to go into the boot of the car. And um, that's that's what we did. You're a firm believer in lifelong education and you went to UCC, what, 1980? Yeah, the early 80s, the early 80s. And it was through contacts there and they had a facility for that you could you could do, um, you could experiment and you could do trials and tests. And and um, yes, um, the, the facility there, um, Eddie Fitzgerald was one of the um, technical people there. And Eddie is, is still with us today doing um, doing um in, in new new products and all that, but and um, yeah, back back then in the early eighties, um, it was really, I suppose we really wanted a white pudding and sausage to complement the black. We were we were delivering black kind of locally, and we had a small little van, and it was literally something to accompany the, um, the the black pudding. So did you go through a phase like the black pudding? The recipe was a hundred years old, and yes. you didn't want. It- play with it because you knew you were on a winning thing. Yeah. But the white pudding was built from scratch then, the, was it? The white pudding was built from scratch. So how many types of pudding did you taste before oh, you decided? Many, many. There were many, many. Um, but we had an old egg in the kitchen at home and it was we we literally did it in the in, in the, the Christmas pudding bowl mixes and um, in, in the, the shop mincer and mixing, mixing, mixing ingredients together. And um, we ended up with um, a recipe very like um, the the black pudding, but it was pork instead of um, beef. But it has the same pinhead and the same onions and the spices and not the blood. But other than that, that's you know pretty. That was that's what we finished on. And so the, you eventually you started with the shop and then you knocked back wall and then you went in yeah. there and then you go well come here we're doing white pudding sausages and black pudding we we need a we bigger need a bit, we, we need we, a bigger van we need a bit a bigger van <laughs> and we needed a little bit of space to um to 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 make it so we um at that stage we had bought a little farmhouse <coughs> a farmhouse um just within a mile of Clonagilty. It was, I remember it made the headlines at the time because it was 12 acres and it was 83,000 or something. It was top dollar. You were you were mad, they said mad, locally. Mad, because it was an old farmhouse that needed a lot of work, but you could also live in it. And um, there was sheds out the back and um, Eddie's passion was to have a bit of land. And we, we had that. And um, so we looked at, we, we really couldn't afford to build anything. So, but we could convert, and I remember there was a what they call a cubicle house in, in everyday farming, and um, that was the space. So we put in the the 
the panelled um, walls and a few bits like made that it and, we, and made it made it made it work. When did you realise that that had paid off? I mean, what did you have a moment like the, when you talk to authors? Authors yes. always say they love walking in to the airport and they see their book and they look at people picking up their book and go. Wow, I did that. Did you have something similar with your products in supermarkets and outside of Clan? Outside of Clan, um, we did. Yes, um, I suppose um, one of the one of the first people to take um, the pudding was Quinsworth, Quinsworth, and I remember going to um, going to Dublin and seeing it in a Quin, in a Quinsworth shop, and at that time it was just the ring of pudding with the label on it, and um, yeah, it was. You know, it 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 it, it was um, it it was absolutely super. But I had the same moment only a few years ago when um, and I, I was quite. Um, we were in Australia and we contract manufacture in Australia. We send out the spice now, and they, a, a small butcher makes it for us. And I remember we were going down an escalator to a food hall, and um, a friend of mine who's living in in Tasmania, and um, she was so excited, and she said to me. I was so excited to see the um, waiting to see the pudding on the on the shelf, and I was saying, "Oh, oh God, absolutely!" You know, to travel that far and to see it is is absolutely um, is and brilliant in, and in demand and on breakfast plates and being yes. eaten over there. Yes, with fr- that which began in nineteen seventy seven in the, in a butcher shop. Yes, um, you lost Eddie in two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yes, You'd- very short illness, motor neuron disease. Very short, very fast and furious. Um. He got to see the success, though, didn't he? He did. Well, he yeah, he did. I mean, you know, the um, he he saw the it was an, an upward an upward slope, and it was around the country. And there was, you know, I suppose he was very much into there were people writing about the pudding, and people love. He was very very passionate, and he loved sharing the passion with people like Lord Mister as well. Michael Clifford was another man, chef who was very passionate. You know, chefs are. Virgil Queen or you know people that were as passionate about the um, pudding as he was and um, he he loved that You continued on the business and continued to grow it and grow it and grow it and now you're in every supermarket and as you say you're in Australia and you're laughing and you're laughing to yourself there do, do you do you sometimes find it hard to believe that you've managed to do this with the products that is so simple yet so special it, it is. It is very special to us. It is very, very simple, and I suppose you you don't go around saying, "Oh, look what I've done." You, it's it's just part. Of, I I know it, it it comes home. Um, I remember now when um, my son Jonathan was very young, and we were on a plane going somewhere, and um, we were we were actually going to Australia, and by the time we were halfway there, there were people coming up coming up saying oh I know who you are now you're Clannacilty pudding and, um, or going to a taxi somewhere and um, they say you're from Clannacilty oh I love that black pudding <laughs> that's great that is great and I always say that you know we've had a self-marketing um, it, it has been self-marketing and which is magic that you can't it bottle it you can't bottle no, it no 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 you can't or you can't actually create it you, you see, can't you, genuinely if you you know if you're 100 percent genuine, you can't you can't. Can create I, did it. you do realise that you went viral before anybody knew what viral was? You <laughs> no, know, you you I almost know. created the concept of, of a brand that's self perpetuating through its own success. Yes, and 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 I suppose, I suppose um, you know we we can take me and the the, the team that that um, that that I surround myself with, and we take credit for that in that. 
um, I suppose we were very, we were huge sticklers for what we knew best and that was the quality of the black pudding and the Irishness of it and the um, authenticity of the ingredients and all that. So we, you know, it, it um, and the taste was always you know, uniform, it was always, it had, always, to, be always, it had to be. So it, it, I won't say it sold itself, but in a way it kind of did with, with the help of, of, um, clinicality people as well who are always great ambassadors. And, and you have 40 of them, 42 of them, I think, uh, working have. with you now. Um, is it, it's a family business. I mean, are the kids involved? Yes, um, um, they are. Um, in, as was not in the, in the huge hands on way that I would maybe, um, they're 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 all doing. Um, well, Patrick is in Hong Kong and he's doing the financial side of it. Um, Ed is very innovative, so he's in Clonakilty and and um, he stays with that side of, of the um, of the of the business. And then we're we're also farming. So Jonathan does the farming side of things. But I'm always saying that we it is the Toomey family, but it's also the Clonakilty family. You know, we Marie is my right hand woman. She's with us twenty five, twenty seven years. Um, Liam in the butcher shop is there for twenty something years. You know, um, it is it is more than just a, a Toomey family. It's it's like a, a Clonakilty black pudding family network. I, I talked about your love of education, mm. um, which you, you've spoken about before. We've spoken about before. The other thing you are always keen to do as the business gets. Older, I'm going to put it that way. Older, yeah. Yeah, and wiser. Mm -hmm. Is that you can impart a lot more of that to other people. And that's what you've chosen to do. You're very involved with EY and the Entrepreneur of the Year. Why why do you do that? Why why you could be sitting uh, very happy living out the success that you've had, but you you insist on going back and telling others about it. I suppose, I mean, in, in 2010, Ernest and Young told me I was an entrepreneur. Now, I couldn't pronounce it or spell it or that sort of thing. But um, I said, OK, well, and, and, and then when I went off to um, Shanghai with them and we were, I was with, you know, 24, as I thought, big companies that I couldn't even speak their language. You know, that they, they were in, in the business world where I was in the, just an, an advanced butcher shop, black pudding business. And, um, you know, as they spoke about their businesses and their passion and their hard work, I kind of, tapped myself on the shoulder and kind of said that's exactly what we are, what I am and what we are doing as well. And I'm kind of, I'm involved so that was 2010 so that did an awful lot personally for me in so it's 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 only a kind of a, I won't say a payback but it's it's just keeping involved. And when you see those other, the younger companies do, do you see a lot of yourself and Eddie in, in I what do. they do. I do, I do. I, I absolutely do. And I mean, I was involved there in the Going for Growth, which was a, um, a women's group. And it was young, your mentor, um, startup companies. And you can absolutely, because I'm always saying, if we knew then what we know now. And if, if for these people, you know, I mean, I remember sitting down with um, a group of, of eight one day and they were all talking about their businesses and all they wanted was money. If they had a grant, if they had money, they knew you know, they would be flying. And eight weeks later when our when the mentoring session was over, I was saying, Well now, what do you still what do you want? And they said, No, the money wouldn't be any good because I'd use it wrong. I I had to get the structure right. I had to get my mm. business head right first. And then I would know exactly what to do with the funds if and I got them now. It's it's like life in many ways that it it is a learned experience. It that is. It is. You make mistakes, mm. and 
God knows we all make enough of them in life, but it's what you do from that experience that yeah. makes you a better business person and makes you a better person in general as well. Mm, but you can't, you can't go back, you can't rewind the clock, but you can learn, you can learn, but you, you don't, you can't dwell on the, on the, on the past either, but just learn what's to be learned from it. Um, you're in the now and just look forward. What's next? Because you have your core products there now um, and you threw rashers in as well as yeah, far rashers, as I remember yes, the, rashers, the rashers yes. are there too just, the to, com- just to complete just to the complete breakfast just complete the whole breakfast <laughs> yeah. yeah what's next um, well I suppose as you know as you as we talk about the breakfast and the rations and the black and the white and I'm, I suppose our, our kind of emphasis now is cooking with Clonagilty cooking with the black pudding, the white pudding, using it as an ingredient for... Um, They're putting for it in the, sausage rolls yes, and all sorts for of things every, For everything like that. And chefs have been very innovative and, and very passionate about um, our products and have done lots of things very successfully with them. Um, well, as well, we have a, an all-new um, facility in Clonacilty. We have um, a new purpose-built um, um, production um, factory there. And, you know, the black pudding... The, the the black pudding is is the the main part of it, but we also have the standard and the scope and the um, capacity to do other products. So they will. We won't. Is that old, is that old pudding pot coming out again? By the way you're talking, it <laughs> sounds like we might get something else out of the tubies yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, there's lots of things on the cards, but there, you know, we we won't be diversifying far from the the, the, the core the core, the core products. Of all the advice that you would give to somebody having gone on the journey that you've been on in the last 40 years or so, what's the most valuable bit? What, what is the one thing that people who are maybe starting out in business or indeed maybe on the way on their journey behind where you are, what would you say? Um, I'd say um, have your vision. Um, no, be confident that it's, you know, that it's, um, that it's the way forward. You will meet loads of knockers along the way loads of people with advice um, and you take some you leave some you follow your gut your gut if you you know if you talk to yourself and know and believe in yourself then um, I think you know you, you, you'll get, keep on the right road That old bank loan or business plan that you submitted do you still have that? No, I don't have it, but but I remember writing it in the corner of a torn off bit of paper, and but but I remember. I remember saying to Eddie at the time, "But sure, I can't just write that." You know, at the time there was there was there were pages to fill out, and nothing like it was it is nowadays. But um, yeah, I remember, and you know that has. That has stuck with me, and I mean, we have customers all over the place. And I suppose one of the things that, and I'm always saying to to our crew, find out what the customer wants and give it to them. And follow your gut. Follow your gut. Oh, big time, yes. Colette Toomey of Clonakilty Food Company. It is an amazing story, uh, and we wish you continued success. And I look forward this weekend to having more on my plate from your factory. Thank you for thank talking you, to thank us. Thank you very much. Red business. All that's best about business in Cork. And with me are two of the finest PR professionals that I have ever encountered in all of my career. And I say that not in jest, but in seriousness. I am very happy to welcome Anne-Marie O'Sullivan and Robin O'Sullivan of AM O'Sullivan PR. You are both very welcome to Red Business. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Great to be here, Jonathan. Thank you. Genuinely, it's great to have you both here because we, we go through a lot of 
husband and wives, um, father and son combos. But like, it's sitting in front of me. I, I know you both so well, so it's a little bit weird. So we're going to work through that, okay? That, that's how we're going to go with. Uh, but to explain, Robin, the background to all of this, you started out, was it straight into journalism? was. I was, uh, as, a, as a raw 17-year-old, I went into the then Cork Examiner and Evening Echo and uh, following my father's footsteps and my uncle's footsteps. And uh, I had a great time there. And, and from and there... Lear- learned my trade. Yes. Well, and back in the day when the trade was to be learned. Um, when did you move to RTE then? I moved to RTE in 1965. I was their first reporter in Cork on the staff at that stage, working over in Union Quay, where the School of Music is now. And people forget that that's where RTE used to be before they moved over next to the Holy Trinity Church. And you were the voice of Cork for RTE for how many years? Four years. And uh, not just the voice, but the hand, because mostly on television, what you saw was the back of my hand holding a microphone. <laughs> With great skill and aplomb. Very, very, very important. When did you make the big switch then to public relations? I was under pressure with RTE, as I have been on other occasions, to move to Dublin. I was told that I could spend all the time I wanted and permanently and pensionably employed in my fur-lined rut. I didn't see it that way, but at the same time, I did not want to go to Dublin. Even more so, my wife didn't want to go to Dublin. Yes. So I had two job offers, and one of them was with uh, Coca-Cola bottlers, on the straight road, now now also gone. And uh, are you, are you going to a lot of businesses you close down here, but go on I anyway. Went, I, went, <laughs> I went in there, as, there as, <laughs> as personnel and PR manager. So the, the, the MD at the time, John O'Connell, saw a combination between those two. It was a very early era for somebody to have a PR head in well, Cork, yeah. I would imagine. Probably one of the first jobs going. It was, um uh, there was a sort of an interregnum between RT and, and Coke and that I was working with O'Kennedy Brindley. Manus O'Callaghan was there at the time. And um, I had a number of clients in that place, including Beamish and Crawford and Coke. And Coke offered the job. Now, during this period, um, uh, well, indeed, after, I would say, uh, someone came along that was becoming to become a protégé of yours in the form of the lady sitting next to you. Well, it was a little later than that. I, that's not, what I said. I, not, I'm conscious not, of the fact she's sitting there. But not much, not much. <laughs> um, well, there's a story there, too, Jonathan, if I'm not wrong, too much. You know, she went off to college, very, very young. Uh, graduated at the age of 21 with her BCom degree after four years. And then... And then her mother told me she wanted to work with me. First I heard of it. <laughs> and we will get to you in a minute, right? He's still on a roll, okay? I know, I know you're I pa- you. patiently, you're like a caller on Liveline. You're going to get called in in a minute. But uh, you know, then you, you, you dipped your toe back into broadcasting with what is euphemistically known in Cork as the multi. And you were the face of the multi, the multi for a long time. Yeah. We, uh, he we, was the man from the multi. The man Demand from the multi. I, funnily, I had an experience being, being asked about it the other day. Uh, and I walked down Kensington High Street on one occasion and there was a chauffeur busily polishing a large Bentley. And next day I hear, on a multi multi. I mean, it became it became huge. And we decided after four years that really we, we had to decide whether we were broadcast people or PR people. We were PR people. And Marie was in at that stage and uh, we were starting to, to develop our, our strategic PR business. And um, 
So we, 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 we abandoned the multi-channel, I suppose, before anybody else. <laughs> yeah, well, do, still remember the days yeah, when well, you were there. They were, they were great I, I think they brought you back for the old election every now and then, we didn't did a they? We did, couple yeah. of elections. Yeah. I remember, was it, Mickey McCormick, Golly Henry, out from under the desk at about four in the morning to, say, to give give her a proper acknowledgement of the work she'd been doing during the day. See, this is the thing about bringing parents. They can, they'll always let you down they with will. things like that, <laughs> won't they? So you you came out of college, which you become, and mm-hmm. you wanted to work with Robin. Why? So I don't I mean that in a bad way, I, but no, why? And I think I would have a slightly different version of that story. So I came out of college with my BCom um, and thought I wanted to work in PR, but I definitely did not want to work with Robin. Uh, so Robin, very helpful. He's horrified, by the way. I can set up a number of interviews for me in Dublin with a variety of people um, that he knew. Um, but he is right to give my mother credit for this because... She began to ask me questions like, are you sure you want to go to Dublin? You know, your father probably needs you here. And then I think in the same breath, she was saying to him, you know, she really would prefer to stay in Cork. Maybe you should just suggest it to her. I'm getting a theme here from Mrs. O'Sullivan (laughs) that she didn't want anyone to go to Dublin, clearly. And she's not here to defend herself. No, that would be fair. Yes. Um, but but I like to think that I learned my negotiating skills from her. (laughs) Um, You know, she is, (laughs) she, so uh, literally... Uh, July 30 years ago, so just next month, uh, 30 years ago, I joined Robin in the business. Yeah. So. And have you enjoyed that? I mean, you, you were under the tutelage of your father. Mm. Um, and that, that can sometimes be tricky when you're working with someone who you know that well. Yeah. And the fights that inevitably happen. I mean, I'm sure you were a terror as a teenager, but did that translate into the business as well? I, I suppose... Uh, the dynamic of a family business is, is a really unusual one. And I think a lot of people struggle to understand it if they've never worked in a family business. Um, and you're right, it, it's 24-7. It's, you know, I grew up when remembering when Robin started the business first and he worked out of our, what was our garage, then converted into a home office for a while. So we all understood how it worked. We had to be quiet when he was on the phone with, you know, there was a whole dynamic. Trying to be important. All of that kind of stuff. And then moving and into scra- the business. scrabbling for business. <laughs> yes, in the early days. And then I suppose when I moved into the office, I was very conscious that I was coming in as his daughter. So therefore, you know, there's, there's a, I suppose, a, the other members of the team were conscious of that as well. There was a family member coming in and what was my role going to be and how did I fit into things. So, um, I, I think that that was that was good for me to understand how the business worked through their eyes and, and getting a proper understanding. Look, the bottom line is, and and um, I presume Jonathan, this is part of of um, the brief that you have in front of you there. Robin is doing this a very very long time. There are very very few people in the country who have the level of experience and skills that he has in this business. So for me, it was even though it didn't feel like it at the time, but it was learning at the feet of the master. You know, it was. Um, it was the best form of teaching experience that I could have gotten. Um, may not have experienced or I appreciated that at the time. And, you know, <laughs> but you can say we'd now. go home in the evening or you'd be sitting around the dinner table on a Sunday, you know, and it was the same person that I was going to see at work in the, on the Monday morning. And, you know, so it, it was all encompassing. But I suppose, again, the nature of what we do, it's about communications, but it is a 24-7 business. Robin, how have you seen that business change over the years? It, it, it used to be much more cut and dried. Your deadlines were further away than they are now. And you had the benefit of something called time, which in 2018 is somewhat limited. 
It's not just limited, uh, Jonathan. It's gone, you know, because of social media, because of all the other elements that have come to the fore um, in the last few years particularly. But throughout that whole period, you've had a huge change, really, in, 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 in how media, in how communications, in how uh, interpersonal relations have worked. It was interesting in those days that we had a number of clients who did not want to be in the media. So people sometimes tended to overlook the fact that being a PR consultant actually was was not about getting press releases out and getting things in the paper, was almost discouraging the, people, the, the papers <laughs> from taking an interest. And, of course, I mean, there was a balance. And then we, we, we developed into the strategic area, which was advice. And <clears throat> we, would, we would always have said to people, uh, to our clients, you must remember communications. You must remember that whether you like it or not, or whether you want it or not, people are interested in you. Now, we would much rather that you told people about yourself. If you don't want to do that, at least let us talk to you and bring you along. And have the basics changed of of that communications message from when you would have been back in Coca-Cola bottlers or indeed when you set up O'Sullivan PR to where we are now. The methods have changed and the speed has changed but have the basics changed? No, the basics have not changed. The basics are relate to developing a good relationship with your clients and that doesn't mean just one person that means a whole management team which is perhaps where, where it is a bit different in the old days it might have been just the MD or, 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 or the personnel manager but you, you actually have to do that you have to become uh, insofar as it's possible without uh, sinking in you have to become part of the management team of the organisation and that's where you can make a contribution Anne Marie obviously you haven't been involved in the industry as long as your father has but you've been involved at a time when it it has gone a bit mad Mm. and where you might have had the grace of 24 hours before the story hit the headlines now you have to tell your clients well we need to respond to this in the next 20 minutes or else your reputation could be damaged it puts a lot more pressure on it does. Uh, your the, people, never mind the companies. There's no doubt that it, it, we used to, to talk about it being a 24-7 business before because you might get a call from a client if something happened, whereas now you are constantly looking at stuff. You're, you're looking at Twitter, you're dipping in and out of the social media channels, you're watching online news channels and feeds and what's happening, just more to kind of stay in touch a lot of the time as well. Um, but well, that's not good for us. I mean, there's lots of different correct. surveys out there at the moment that say that our passion for going through our timelines is actually damaging our heads. Never Mm. mind PR people such as yourselves, just everybody. Mm. I mean, Robin, presumably at some stage in the past you would have turned off and it would have been harder to get you unless you were at your landline. Yes, that's certainly true. And uh, (laughs) the the advent of the mobile phone was at the end of that day. That was the start of the change in some ways. I remember I was up at a meeting in North Cork and I got a phone call from a client and said, I need you. He said, they're closing this place down. Can you get down here as quickly as you can? I had no mobile phone that day. The next day I did. Mm. Because this was part of Anne-Marie says, the 24-7 continuity. And you you had very little time even in that context. But by and large, there were times when you could switch off, um, particularly if you had somebody so able... Uh, as your as your your right hand, I'm loving the way that you you're getting on so well. I mean, it, it wouldn't have worked if you didn't like each other. So thankfully that you've gotten over <laughs> that and you do like each other. Um, <clears throat> it's only it, been thirty years, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> thirty thirty long years, says Anne Marie. But 
When you look back on it, Anne-Marie, uh, did you ever say, God, I wish I did something else? No. I, hand on heart, I can say, um, I love what I do. I've always loved what I do. Um, and I, I think sometimes would it, I mean, would it have been better to be an in-house person rather than a consultancy person? But actually, part of what I enjoy about the consultancy life is that every client is different. Um, every client has different needs. They have different personalities on their teams. You engage with different people. So there are different challenges coming along all of the time. Um, and it's funny um, talking about, I suppose, what, what we do and I suppose the areas that we would be known for in terms of expertise. And, and Robin has mentioned the strategic communications piece. And we have relationships with some clients that go back over 30 years. Um, and she, she, she didn't get rid of them, by the way. That's a good sign. <laughs> she held on. But to you know, um, I, and 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 I, I take that as a huge compliment. I don't ever underestimate the strength of the relationships that we have with clients, and we work at that. And in fact, I was only saying to somebody the other day, there's a, a multinational client of ours that we've worked with for a very long time, and um, they have recently had their sixth CEO appointed to their site in Cork, and I actually think I'm the only person still connected to the organisation that has worked with every one of the six <laughs> site leads because people have just moved on over the years. Um, and, and that's a very privileged position to be in because, you know, you get to understand what makes a company tick. You understand their brand. You understand what's important to them about their reputation. And they trust you to keep managing that for them. I mean, you have to deal with the necessary evil of the media, um, of which I was one of the many people annoying you over the last couple of years. It, is that tricky? I mean, Robin, you understood the, the journalism side having been on it. But Anne-Marie, as being purely on the PR side of the house, do journalists ever frustrate and annoy you by their persistence in trying to find out what's going on? Uh, yes, but uh, but but the flip side of that is that's their job. So I understand completely where they're coming from. You know, in times of positive news stories, we're working together or I'm trying to engage with them to highlight a client when it's a and, and we do cover a lot of, of issue management um, projects with clients, so that might be a downsizing or a closure oh, or some would, kind I of. I met you would manage the factory yes, closure. An incident. Over the I know. I was affectionately known by one of the examiner journalists at one point as the angel of death. So if he saw me outside a facility, he knew it was not going to be a good story. I, so, I, I was merely a bird of ill omen. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. So we, we're in that space. Um, but to be fair, you know, it, it works both ways. It's it, the, the, the way I view it is that look. The media are really important to us and, and important mm. to our clients. And, and you develop relationships, relationships with people. As an aside, uh, when you were there in your uh, angel of death capacity, one of the things that's always worth pointing out that people never hear about is the efforts that you go to to protect the staff on the site from the media who are there asking the silly questions. Mm. And that was one of the things you always did well to our frustration. I'll give you that. Thank you. Um, when you look at it now, I mean, Robin, you are you officially retired at this point? Are you still? I'm officially retired, but I'm 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 listed as a consultant, and it's, I'm very pleased to be consulted from time to time and make a contribution to some of the the, the papers that are being being prepared and so on like that. But when you have gone from that level of activity, and I know you, it, it, you've been easing yourself out of it over the last couple of years, but going from that frenetic pace, that constantly being on, to someone who's enjoying life and and you know having a good time. Has that been difficult? No. <laughs> I'm naturally lazy. I'm naturally <laughs> But it's lazy. taken you a long time to work it out. It's taken me a long time to take full advantage of it. <laughs> One quick point, if I may, Jonathan. The other thing to, to remember about Anne-Marie's contribution, Anne-Marie has brought a business discipline. Remember, we are talking about running a business, and that is very important, and whether that's uh, 
preparing the documents for the revenue commissioners or, or doing the legal bits and pieces and so on like that. And she has a great strength in that area as well. Much more than I had. Yes, your journalists don't have that at all. I mean, that's, that's not one of our strengths. Um, Anne-Marie, you've recently moved to new offices, yes. which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. So things are going well. Yes, very busy at the moment. Uh, thankfully, there's a team of eight of us um, in the business now. A real mixture of we have some in-house people, some agency people, a few ex-journalists. Always happy to have um, have the connection there. <laughs> Sorry, are they gritted? No, they're not. No, gritted. not just, in the slightest. Just check. No, just check. Look, the, the bottom line is token. <laughs> we need people who could write. We need people who could communicate. That isn't necessarily a skill that's in plentiful supply out there anymore. So, so yes, to, to answer your question, um, it's an exciting time for us. We are growing. Um, we've just recently moved to bigger offices um, and, um, yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, where to next, I suppose. Um, and having your dad still around. Absolutely. For that little bit of advice. Yeah. Oh, still handy. Very important. Yeah, I mean, literally, as he said, we were preparing a position paper for, for a very significant uh, client recently on, on quite a significant topic. And, the, you know, once we had it prepared in-house, um, before we sent it to the client, the last thing I would do is, and, and did last week, was send it to Rob and ask him to cast his eye over it. So, you know, that's invaluable. In and terms he said of it was terrible, it. I'd say. Did you just um, read I'm, red much, marks I'm much more diplomatic than that. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect nothing more from a PR veteran to be more diplomatic than that. It's been an absolute pleasure and we wish you continued success. Anne-Marie O'Sullivan and Robin O'Sullivan, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. My thanks to all my guests throughout 2018 and to you for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes or via redextra.ie. Niamh Hennessy produced. We'll catch you on the next one in the new year. The only show in town for Cork Business. Red Business.